Mrs. Double Vaccine. Yay! You're married to the vaccine now. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Bitch, I dude. <laughs> what is your favorite remake? Oh, um, like of any genre? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Two come to mind. So, uh, one that's more recent is definitely the uh, High Fidelity series on Hulu. Nice. Um, I think it was really cool to put it in a woman's perspective. <laughs> Shock and awe that I said that. But I, I think it was really well executed. Um, I think it's. I'm really sad that they didn't renew it for second season. I kind of feel like they told the story, but yeah. They did, but I think I just, I don't know. I'm a sucker for anything that's set in New York and I just can never get enough. You want to live in that world. I get you. Yeah, I just, I enjoy it. But um, another one, honestly, is The Parent Trap solid pool. I mean so well done like I've seen both of them but I I saw the remake first just because you know I was a child yeah, of we the were 90s kids, yeah um but then my mom was like oh well if you like that then um watch the original so I watched the original and um I just I think that the remake still to this day like really did the original justice but also kind of took it to the next level made it relatable and everyone loved that movie when it came out everyone was learning the handshake everyone oh, yeah. was you know putting peanut butter on oreos oh man delicious fun fact about that movie oreos were not released in the uk yet at the you time told of me that, this yeah, yeah it's just a dumb weird fact i know about that movie it's like how they mention youtube in um catherine bigelow uh jeremy renner anthony mackie mm. about the bomb squad in iraq i don't know she won an Oscar for it. It's not Zero Dark Thirty. Black Hawk Down. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. So they say, oh, that know. shit's going on YouTube. <laughs> I've never seen Black Hawk Down. I don't know why I said that. Oh, it's I've met the guy. He's interesting. <laughs> A little fashy. I don't, I don't really watch war movies, to be honest. That's fair. Most of them aren't that good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so they said, oh, shit, that, that's going to be on YouTube or whatever is a line in the movie. Oh, and, and it's And YouTube not... wasn't released until, two, or didn't become a thing until 2005. Oh, my God. And it's like in 2003 or four is when it's set, because it's in the early days of the Iraq War. So anyway. What about you? What What's your favorite? <sighs> the thing. Um, oh, I should have known. I forgot that that was a remake. Yeah, but... It's it is and it isn't. I mean, it's a redux, right? Like we talked about when we talked about the thing, and also like we're talking about this month. You know, um, mm-hmm. we just released the craft last week, and yeah, totally. I mean, it is kind of a remake, and it's kind of not. So I, I'll put it in the redux category. Um, another one I love, and this is going to be really funny for you and everybody who knows me. Out cold. Hmm. Now, for those of you who don't know what out cold is. It is a movie starring Zach Galifianakis, Jason London, uh, Lee Majors, Roy from The Office, and... What's up with that? Whenever someone's listing off actors, and I've noticed it so much with The Office, people just say Jim from The Office or Roy from The Office. What is up with that instead of just saying the actor's name? One, I can't remember the actor's name right now. Uh, I do know it. I just It's just like not coming up in my head. It's just funny. But that's that, how I knew him because I when yeah. I started watching The Office, I'd seen Out Cold probably 20 or 30 times. 
And then I got to know him as Roy from The Office. I've just noticed it mostly with that show, which is why I'm like pointing it out is I don't mean to call you out specifically, just like (laughs) as someone who um, I have no idea if I've said this before on the podcast or not, um, but I do not like The Office. I am one of the one percent. Have I? (laughs) I I just I don't know. I don't know. I say I feel like it comes up a lot because so many people love it. And I I respect that. But um, I just am in the one percent that does not. So when someone says, you know, blah, blah, blah from The Office, I'm just like blank face. Like, I don't I don't know. Here's here's kind of my (laughs) reason why I think people do that specifically with that show. Yeah. The people do it in general because not everybody knows actor names. Yeah, no, and I I get that. It's just with that show. But with this show specifically, so many of them are just character actors, like comedy character actors who you would not know their name even if you knew that all of their work. That makes sense. Like I say Thomas Lennon and people are like, who? And I go Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911. Right, and people you know, are like, "Oh, got it." Yeah. yeah, even though Thomas Lennon's fucking amazing. Yeah, no, all or like this, Zach this Orth, I would say the big dude from Wet Hot American Summer, or right. the caretaker from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Like that's how I would pull Zach Orth for somebody, even though I know his name. Right. So David Denman is who I'm talking about. He's been in a bunch <laughs> of shit, but he's like he's a comedy character actor. He's very good, and I've seen him in some dramatic pieces. He's really good in too. Yeah. Anyway, so in Out Cold, right? Back to the movie. <laughs> yes. Do you know what it's a remake of? No. So it's a bunch of stoner snowboarders living in Alaska, running a mountain, and the owner of the mountain dies in a ski accident. Uh, And his last words are, don't go (laughs) changing. To which David Denman, as the large, very like Freddie Mercury type gay bartender, says his last words were from a Billy Joel song. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he... And Zach Galifianakis and Jason London are fighting off the uh, evil. It's a, it's a, so it's a kind of a remake. They are, it's the like 80s snowboarder movie, right? Even though I knew that yours in, wouldn't be a, a direct remake. I know you too well. Yeah. Uh, but it's, mine it's, were very straightforward. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, weird. Topher wants to go backwards to go forwards. Yeah. And I just want to go forwards. <laughs> <laughs> I like RPGs. You like shooty games. Pew, pew. <laughs> so the core plot is Casablanca. You fucking <laughs> Oh my god. It is a stoner snowboarding movie from the eight that like is uh miming like 80s type movies cuz it's just like the plucky kids fighting off the evil corporation, right? Yeah. That's the sort of narrative. The plot is Casablanca to a fucking T. Like they it's, it's all jokes about it. Like the woman who has like this sort of vague European accent comes in and there's a flashback to the two of them together, but it's at senior hornies or like horny frogs or whatever in Tijuana. (laughs) And the song that she, that he never wants to hear again is uh, Island in the sun by Weezer. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) But his name's Rick. They do the whole plane scene. It's fantastic. I'll have to watch it. I don't know. That sounds amazing. So dumb. Especially since, you know, being with you for um, three years almost. Yeah, close enough. I've I've seen. Yeah, we're a couple months out. I think. Um, yeah, after being with you for almost three years, I've seen Casablanca enough that I think I would probably get all the jokes. So that yeah. that sounds like a fun watch. Very silly pull in it. Zach Galifianakis gets his dick stuck in a hot tub jet, jet and fr- almost freezes to death overnight. Oh my god. Oh, and Thomas Lennon's in it. Oh, great. 
That speaking of, yeah, I'll have to um, I'll have to watch that one. I I love that. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched both of the witches? Yes. Not to be confused with my favorite movie, The Witch. Yes, which has not been remade yet. No, I don't know if it needs to. I don't know if I, I don't know if I need that um, ever. Cute. Um, but yeah, so so we're covering the 1990 The Witches, which starred Angelica Houston, mm-hmm. and then we're covering the Witches that came out last year in 2020 um, with Anne Hathaway in Angelica Houston's role. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're gonna do the normal format here, which is a little different this month, but not too too much. Yeah, yeah. So. Normally with, you know, like a remake situation, if the plot is different enough, then I'll do two plots. But this one, it honestly follows to a T. So we're going to do one plot and I'll just discuss, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll input what was different in the remake or whatever as I go. But before all of this, Topher will take us through a Who Made This Thing, shout out the cast and the crew of both movies. And without further ado, Topher, who made both of these movies? Me. Just kidding. I am the same age as the as the franchise, though. That's true. You were born in 1990. I was. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Birthdays. <laughs> so interesting. Good content, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So both of these movies are based on the children's novel by Roald Dahl. Did you? What do you know about Roald Dahl? Um, I mean, I know that he wrote one of my favorite movies like as a kid Matilda and I know that he clearly loves to write about like adults hating children Mm -hmm. between this and Matilda and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory oh yeah that's right uh uh BFG I'm like it was his childhood okay no is this him no I I know I know a weird amount about him I feel like he's trying to like heal his inner child by writing all of these things which Go off. Yeah. Um, do you know what else Roald Dahl made? I knew there was some some shoe was going to drop here, but yeah, give it to I'm me. I'm going to say two things he made. One, he made his way through the high society ladies of the United States as a spy. He stooped every single high society woman in the like during World War II because he was a member of the League of, or like the what is it called? It was the something of ungentlemanly affairs. So it was the beginnings of MI6, the British spy agency, right? Okay. Their version of our CIA, uh, which is the OSS at that point. You know who else was a member of that little league? Who? Christopher Lee. God. <laughs> and Ian Fleming, who you may know as the creator of James Bond. Do you know who James Bond is based on? I'm trying to follow here. Who? who? Rolled fucking doll. <laughs> James James Bond is essentially a like portmanteau of Roald Dahl and Christopher Lee. You guys can't see right now, but my mouth, my like jaws, like on the floor. What? Yeah. So Roald Dahl was a spy during World War II because we have such a big Nazi burner, problem. Burner. Yeah. So all the sex <laughs> shit that James Bond does—that's Roald Dahl. All the weird killing shit he does is Christopher Lee. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We're dropping the mic there. You're welcome. Goodbye. So, yeah, like Christopher Lee is was such a badass. Play. Like he went on to be just like a big camp actor, right? Like we talked about how he wished he had taken the role in uh, Halloween. 
And it was one of the biggest regrets of his life not doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But another thing that he did in his life that he may have regretted, but he did come in handy later. Uh, when he gets stabbed in the back in the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings film, second uh-huh. one. Peter Jackson on set was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really sound like what someone gets sta- uh, getting stabbed in the back sounds like. And Christopher Lee just sort of looks at him in his big, big voice and his big, big face and just looks at Peter Jackson, this little tubby man from New Zealand, goes, have you ever stabbed a man in the back, Peter? I think he has if he knows what it sounds like. Nope, but Christopher Lee has and does. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Peter Jackson just sort of like describes it as like, I just said, you know what? You do you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, just. Yeah. Have you ever. St- I can't do a good Christopher Lee. His voice is so deep. Have you. Uh, why do I think <laughs> why I can do, do think- it? Why do I think I can do it? I don't God, know. Because I'm because I like I like a challenge. You, I like a I challenge. Mean, you are an alto. It's fair. It's it's also Aries season. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. I love a challenge. Um. But yeah, so that's crazy. I I'm shook. Um, yeah, children's yeah. author Roald Dahl. That is is an inspiration for James Bond. He's okay. And again, stooped his way through New England and New York. Like in a problematic way, or just in like a no? They all wanted to sleep with him. Apparently, he was the sexiest man alive. Oh my god. Okay, then he might be one of my like new favorite people. If he's like, he's very problematic in other ways. Don't get me wrong. Is he? Like, yeah, oh, well, that's why yeah. I was asking. No, God no, he's it. got some not great views on, or had. He's dead now, but definitely some uh, uh, of the time racism. Oh, okay, never mind. But uh, yeah, never mind. I, I just I think that's so interesting. But yeah. Anyway, he's not one of my favorite people. He did write some of my favorite things though. So. Yeah, no, he's just an interesting dude. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it's he's fucking interesting. Okay, uh, I'll leave it at that then. Yeah, I'll just say he's yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, who else made this thing? <laughs> like, that's yeah, where we were. Um, so uh, the director was... So yeah, obviously both of these are based on Roald Dahl, um, the original book. So for the mm. 1990, uh, it was directed by Nicholas Rogue or Rigg. R-O-E-G. I, I really can't help. I think that might be Rogue or Rogie. Well, there's no E at the end. It's just R-O-E-G. So, Rogie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rogie. <laughs> Rogie. He's a, he was a big fucking deal. He only died two years ago. Oh. Um, lived a long, long life. So he got his start working second unit on Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. Yeah. Um, also directed a neat little kind of horror thriller uh, starring Donald Sutherland from 1973 called Don't Look Now. Okay. Yeah. He he did a lot of... He was definitely part of that like sort of 70s era, let's make the weird shit. We love that. Yeah. Um, and directed a bunch of uh, uh, music videos for Roger Waters and uh, some some stuff to benefit the AIDS, uh, like AIDS charities. Great. And did a... a like an early documentary on the uh, the Glastonbury Fair. Oh. Yeah. Which is now Glastonbury Festival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the screenwriter who adapted the script was Alan Scott, who also wrote Don't Look Now. I okay. worked with him before. Uh, he did The Preacher's Wife as well. I love The Preacher's Wife. Everybody loves The Preacher's Wife. It's so good. Yeah. If you don't love The Preacher's Wife, we're not friends. I'm sorry. And I can say that because so many people say that about me not liking The Office. They're like, you know, cutting you <laughs> out of my life. So you know what? It's cutthroat. Now, if you recognize his name recently, <laughs> uh huh, it's because he created Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. got it. Uh, so yeah, he's a he's a prolific writer. I mean, he's done 
God, he did In Love and War. Um, obviously, he wrote this. He wrote Daryl, uh, The Awakening from 1980. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's done a lot. Definitely a cool writer with a, with a wide ability to do things, you know? I love that. I love versatility. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Angelica Houston as Miss Ernst slash the Grand High Witch. The queen herself. I love Angelica Houston. I don't think that surprises any fucking body. Yeah, no, it does not. Uh <laughs> You love Lynch girls. She's she's just great. She's yeah. got such an angular face, and I'm so into it. No, I love her to death. Um, yeah, like this this period of time, to like, death. <laughs> like middle mid nineties to or mid eighties to mid nineties, she was just everywhere. I mean, there were, I don't think there ever could have been a better casting for Morticia Adams at that time. No, like, I'm trying to think of anybody who could play. I, like I know people have done Morticia recently, but I just it's an, it's Angelica Houston's role to me. Yeah. She's got that very nonchalant attitude that's Just does also not give a fuck. Yeah. But also has like some intensity. Like mm-hmm. it's she's she she's balances. Got range. She's got range. Yeah, she balances that really well and I just I love her. Mhm. Uh most of the names in here you're not going to know. No one's going to know. They're, you know, I other than Grandma Helga played my May Zetterling or my Zetterling, but I think it's May Zetterling. Uh German actor she was in so many things yeah uh she was definitely a big deal for them to get so yeah she was a she was a german film darling for a long while uh worked in paris as well french film jason fisher is our little boy luke Mm -hmm. and a wonderful wonderful performance from rowan atkinson as the hotel manager mr stringer you know whenever he pops up in a movie i know that i'm just gonna love it yep yep Absolutely. Like, he's just, like, I would love to have, like, a compilation of all of his, like, cameo roles, like, between this and um, Rat Race, he's kind of, I mean, he's one of, like, the main characters. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a... That's, a, that's an ensemble piece, though, so uh, right. there are a lot of main characters. And then his part in fucking uh, Love Actually. Oh, my God. Where just, uh, he's trying nails to... It. Where, nails it. Nails it. Um, Alan Rickman's trying to buy the necklace and he's just like, he's like, just for a touch of whimsy. And he's like, it's so great. It's so great. I mean, who doesn't love Mr. Bean? That too. I mean, yeah. Or Black Adder. Yeah. yeah. The credits are endless, you know? Uh, Speaking of character actors that we love, the last one I'll mention in here, Mr. Jenkins, another, Mm -hmm. uh, that's Bruno's dad, played by the dad from Fleabag. I love Fleabag. Another, yeah. Bill another, Patterson. Sh- another amazing show that I can't yeah. wait to, for it to come back. But yeah, he's a he's a great British character actor. He's got a list of credits a mile long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was uh, the dad in this, and he's the dad in Fleabag. Amazing. Bill Patterson. Love him. Love his voice. Love his face. Yeah. Jim Henson was EP on this. Naturally. Naturally. I mean, we saw the puppetry. It's amazing. It is. Lots of really cool puppetry in this, and you know I love that. Yeah. Um, music mm-hmm. from Stanley Myers. Harvey Harrison was a cinematographer slash DP. Um, editing from Tony Lawson. And production design from Andrew Sanders, who I think was a Henson uh, uh, protege, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yeah, so it was released in May uh, 1990 in the UK, and then August, same year here in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, runtime of 91 minutes, uh, and had a 15.3 box office. But 15.3 million box office. Yeah, it... It, it wasn't received well, I think, initially, but then kind of gained a cult following, which yeah. a lot a lot of movies like this end mm-hmm. up doing. 
Um, and then end up getting remade. Like I've noticed that trend, like where totally. cult classics end up getting remade, and it's everything recovering this month is that oh, every single right. thing recovering that's right. this the month. Cult, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It's uh, it's really interesting. Critical and, hit, box office failure, or like popular failure, cult following remake. And that's I'm, literally the pattern of every single one of these. And I mean, just I I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think. I like long story short, I think what happens is that, you know, someone in that cult following is like, no, but I like this is how we could make it a critic success. It almost ends up being like a challenge where you're like, I like this thing. Why wasn't it like received as such? Like and what could make it better to get it there? Yeah. You know, I mean, and and to be honest, like box office sales and and, and um Critical acclaim is not, it's not everything, of course. Like, if you like something, you like something. Yes. But I think people see it as a challenge. I think certain filmmakers kind of get in that, like, challenge mindset, maybe. And they're like, they're like, we can take this idea that was so amazing. And that's usually what spawns, like, a cult classic type deal is like an, yeah. a, an idea that was amazing. But then maybe people get so inspired by it that a different idea is, you know spawned from it yeah you know yeah i'm with you i've just noticed that pattern and i wanted to articulate it for a moment no absolutely i like that <laughs> i'm happy to pass the mic when, uh, <laughs> uh speaking of jim henson though um mm-hmm. this is the last movie he actually worked on before he died um oh my god he and in, in it's the last movie made uh yeah based on doll's books before he died um he and henson both died that year shit yeah my god yeah it's a little sad. It is sad, especially since they did that special on Jim Henson where um, didn't like Big Bird sing. Oh, my God. It makes me cry every sing, time. Um, yes. Um, it's, it's not, not easy, easy being, being green. green. And, and his said, voice breaks in the. And then he says, Ooh, thank you, sorry. Kermit. <laughs> or something like that. He like, looks up and he yeah. says, thank you, Kermit. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually physically tearing up right now. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's very sweet. Uh. Oh my god! Okay, I'm just gonna move back into production stuff because it's fun. Um, I forgot to mention one other uh, uh, cameo in this that no one really knows uh-huh. or notices, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Michael Palin, one of the pythons, known for his drag, was one of the witches. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know the actor that was in it, but I knew that there was um, a witch in drag, and I loved that. Yeah, because Henson was good friends with all the pythons. Yeah, they loved his work. They're like, oh my god, this is like kind of like what we do, but it's different and it's cool and it's interesting and it's just funky. Right. Because um, that's the only kind of comedy they like is stuff that's just fucking weird. And now they're all kind of assholes. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like Eric Idle used to be known as the asshole, and now he's the nicest one. <laughs> Well, and I don't know, is that is that a good message of like, I mean, I think it is. I think it's a good message of like inclusivity. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like anti-turf in a way where, where like often like witches are viewed as women. Mm-hmm. But, you know. To have one who's. Trans women are women. Yes. Like sort of thing. So I'm, yeah. I, I almost think that that could have been like a little message. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think it. I think it's just I them putting their friend be. in it, but it also, it's, it's funny to me that there are so Looking many. Looking back. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's wild to me that there's so, there's such a tradition of drag in the UK mm-hmm. and camp that it's wild to me that there's so many turfs. Like the most prominent turfs on the internet are all British and many of them are male comedians who do drag. Oh, my God. And it's like, yes, no, drag is not trans. I understand that. But it is transgressive. Yeah, that's that's and kind of is, what I'm getting at. Is yeah, like like here, it's, pol- it's ballroom culture, right? 
is where our drag tradition comes from. Yeah. Theirs comes from comedy. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I loved watching um, that that documentary on, I think it was on Netflix. And I think it came out about a year ago because I watched it when we all kind of had the, the stay at home mm-hmm. um, order was in effect, um, where it kind of looked at positive and negative views in like movies of trans people. Yes. And... That was a Laverne Cox one, right? Yes. Yeah. I, oh, I wish I could remember produced? the name of it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it was amazing. So the the documentary is called Disclosure, and it's it's I think it's still on Netflix. Um, and yeah, it was the, the Laverne Cox produced one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that, that that documentary looked at um, positive and negative views of trans people in, you know, media. Right. And so because that has kind of put a lens in front of my eyes when I'm, especially because horror definitely deals with, um, has a lot of trans tropes yes. in it. Um, I mean, we've already talked about sleepaway camp. We haven't talked about silence of the lambs. I don't know if we're going to, I'm not super passionate about that one, but, but yeah, I don't know. So, so I just kind of, I have a lens for it. I'm just always thinking like, is this positive or negative? Like, um, I'm very, very, very excited. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, to talk about Twin Peaks with mm-hmm. um, my beloved sister um, who introduced me to Twin Peaks. Um, there is a trans character in that, and I'm excited to kind of dive into into that because it kind of just... They talk about it on Disclosure, so... Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't know. That's, that's why I pointed it out. Yeah, totally. Was I, yeah. I was trying to figure out, like, you know, the stance of it. I'm sure it literally was just we want to put... I don't know if it was making fun, but I don't think so because it wasn't pointing at it. It just was there. It's just, yeah, like, it's just a cameo. It, it's, it's just a cameo. The cameo yeah. was just there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of think that it was more... I don't know. Yeah, I I, um, I think that's... A, you made a lot of good points. And it's one thing that I, I definitely want to talk about more on here. I don't know what I have to say on it right now just because it's like okay well it is just a cameo but also I appreciate it it was it intended what does it mean post intention those sorts of things you know what I mean like yeah, I have a lot of trouble po- like parsing that out that's uh, exactly what I'm, I'm I'm kind of getting at is is um the context of your actions yeah like when you when you put something into a movie and then people watch it two decades later, mm-hmm. what context is it in? And since, and and that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to explain is that in the context of today, I have to kind of spin it to like an anti-turf thing where you're like, yeah, women are tr- traditionally witches, but yeah. trans women are women. And you, you cut, you threw someone in drag there. So I, I almost, and it, and the fact that it wasn't pointed to, it just was a thing, just like mm-hmm. a, a cameo, and you either noticed it or you didn't. Exactly, yeah. Kind of like, I don't know, it was like a positive realization for me, but I don't know. I'm I'm probably reading way into it. I definitely am, but <laughs> I'm also there's a host of a podcast nothing, that yeah, talks about There's literally nothing this wrong stuff. with reading into things. So um, it's literally, literally what we do. So <laughs> sometimes I get carried away. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Um, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just I'm here for more things like that. I was I, the reason I was a little quiet there for a while is because I was listening, obviously, but I also wanted to look and see if there was a, a comparable one in the new one. Mm. If there was, 
I was like trying to look through the cast list. It's so many people that I can't just like pull them all up for all the witches. But I was looking to see if it was a sort of similar cameo situation. Yeah. Of either someone who is known to do drag. Um, like I was wondering if, you know, Eddie Azard, if she was in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be like what I would think would be the poll for today. Yeah. Right. Instead of like in terms of similar. And she's. She's a complicated person to discuss because she's kind of we've watched her go through her transformation of how she views herself mm-hmm. or how she's able to describe herself maybe. Yeah. Like that she's learning more words that make her feel more comfortable. Right. Um, and again, I want to be clear that like I, I, I do recognize that drag is not the same thing as no, trans. No, no, certainly, no, 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 no. But I'm just trying to think of like the visuals that they're pointing at. Yes, I think that's what that's, we're trying to get at. Yeah, we're not trying to be transphobic here with with comparing drag and trans. No, like, no, no. I've no. done plenty of drag. I am not trans. Yeah, um, precisely. They're, those they're two very things. Different. There is overlap, though. There is a Venn diagram here. Yeah, and that's what we're saying essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, the I was not able to find anybody that I could I could pull off the top of my head. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I was I was like, oh, that would be a nice nod. Because I looked like there was. Yeah, I was, I was curious about that. Um, so, speaking of the new one, I can go ahead and jump in on those dunnits. Great, because I took <laughs> way too long talking about the other one. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's what we're here for. Especially because we're not doing as much deep analysis on the production side of things in the back end of these. Twoo. So. This water bottle looks like Big Bird to me. <laughs> Does it not? I, it's like no. shaped like Big Bird. I suppose so, yeah. Nicole's drinking a lime Perrier that's very large, and she thinks it looks like Big Bird. The stature is similar. It's like a Big Bird and, like, a Brontosaurus. So the witches in 2020. <laughs> was Sorry, to- I'm ruining this podcast. <laughs> nah, it's content, baby. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Famous, famous, super, everybody knows who fucking Robert Zemeckis is. Most famous for Back to the Future series. Yes. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's in there, too. Yep. Him and Kenya Barris were, uh, and Zemeckis all wrote the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, Kenya Barris, you may know from, um, I don't know, Blackish, Girls Trip, (laughs) Grownish. Yeah, this is. Mixed dish. Like, he's he's the creator of all of the ish. Yeah, it's World. such an interesting. Yeah, I think I think this like trifecta of the main team here kind of ended up being a perfect storm. Because yeah, it's really well done. It's a really good team. It really is because, and you can you can tell that everyone kind of had their own spin on it. Like, of course, Guillermo del Toro, Pan's Labyrinth, kind of like the whimsy of that kind yeah. of played, and the darkness kind of played into. I, yeah, I, I was, I was, whims, I'm sorry, I'm stuck in the word whimsy, uh, just because Pan's Labyrinth is so terrifying to me. I think uh, in a whimsical way, though. Yeah, no, it's not a bad word. It was just funny to hear it, like, around fascist Spain. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> but I'm you're talking not about wrong. the no, design of it. Yes, I'm no, no, it's magical realism. Magical realism does have yeah. some sort of whimsy to it, and yeah. I totally am with you, and it's totally his style. <laughs> I was just tripped up on whimsy, because, again, <laughs> Francisco Frankie or Francisco Franco does not elicit whimsy. whimsy. No, no, it does not. <laughs> and to be clear, I was not talking about the plot. I'm talking about the design. Jesus yeah, Christ! No, 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 no. You're totally right. I 100 percent agree with you. It's just funny. The feel of this movie felt very Guillermo del Toro to yeah. me, and and then to have um, the idea of casting Octavia Spencer and um, Chris Rock in it, mm-hmm. I thought Jazir Bruno, yeah, I thought was such a 
wonderful choice. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I thought casting for this one was great, minus Anne Hathaway. I thought Anne Hathaway did her best, but it just, just she has two kind of eyes. Like, she's not menacing. She's not... She's just like, she doesn't embody like anything scary to me. She's very yeah. safe. She yeah. seems like a very safe space. So we'll get into that for sure. That's definitely, that's will. all our talk after the end of the episode. But yeah, we will for sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that, I think that this team was a perfect storm. Yeah. I mean, Zemeckis just knows how to write a hero's yeah. journey story. Exactly. Um, exactly. Even if it is based on the doll book, like, I, he, Zemeckis is not my favorite director, but like like all my friends who went to film school like are like yeah no you you study it because Back to the Future the original one is supposed to be like a perfect film not as not that everybody has to love it but that like I get it's what you're just saying, the, the tightness of the script is just unassailable like there's just not problems I mean there's problems but there's not problem problems right you you always have to have something to look at you know exactly yeah and, and it's it's held up as the test case yeah yeah you always have to kind of have like a constant and then you can develop on that you know yeah between structure dialogue all of that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like uh, tempo beats. That, For all sure. Of that. Yeah. People say that about guys and dolls in musical world. Yeah. They're, they're like, it's the, it's the perfect musical. It doesn't mean that everybody likes it. I it's honestly. It's like a platonic perfect, not a, not a literal yeah. perfect. You know? yeah. yeah. I honestly think it's irritating, but. <laughs> yeah. I really don't like guys and dolls. <laughs> but I get why people say that it's like a perfect musical because of the structure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's what we all are trying to hit. Even yeah. if it's not the best one, it's the best structured. It's the, the yada yada, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Or rather, it's not everybody's favorite, but whatever. We've said that a thousand times already. I can just move on <laughs> to the cast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have one of my absolute favorite actors, Chris Rock, as the narrator. Yeah. Um, who is the the voice of, who's the older version of our uh, character called Hero Boy. And mm-hmm. He's credited as Older Hero Mouse. But uh, Hero Boy is played by Jazir Bruno. Um, who was most recently in uh, the? <laughs> um, he's in Atlanta, which mm-hmm. is where I recognized him from. He's only in one episode, but I recognized him from that. He's so cute. He is. Um, he was in The Oath for a few episodes, uh, and he was in the second Kurt Russell Santa Claus movie. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> the Christmas Chronicles too. Um, but yeah, he's adorable um, and very so good cute. in this. He's very good in this. Yeah. Um, this movie has 10,000 credits for the cast, so I'm just going to sort of hit our big ones. Yep. Um, we have Octavia Spencer as the grandma. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yep. I have no <laughs> issues with Octavia Spencer. I love her. Cody Lee Estick, or Eastick. It's a British name. I'm not, I never, I've established on this uh, on this podcast before that I do not understand how to pronounce British things for the most part. But he plays Bruno Jenkins, uh, the fr- uh, sort of, like, the, the way kids make friends, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, okay, you're in my proximity. We're friends now. We talked yeah. for two seconds. We both like chocolate. Great. Yeah, where we you you look like me. You're like around yeah. the same age as me. Like I feel like that's how we we made friends as kids. Like he's a real yeah. To to, to pull a, a real doll. You're not an adult. Yeah. We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to pull a real doll reference here, he's definitely an Augustus Gloop type. Uh, yeah. In both films, yeah. He loves... That's another constant in his films, uh, or in his, just like his stories, because in Matilda, you've got Bruce. Yep. Um, You've got... Yeah, and then in, you've got Augustus Gloop, and then you've got uh, Bruno in, in both of these films. I think mm-hmm. I think his name is Bruno. Yeah, Bruno in both. Yeah. Um, but he also gets turned into a moose. Mm-hmm. The fantastic Stanley Tucci as Mr. Stringer, 
that's Rowan Atkinson's role from the original. Now, I wish I love Stanley Tucci, but I didn't. He is another one who felt like a safe pull for this. Yeah. Because when you have, like, you could have just had Rowan Atkinson again. True, he's around. Yeah, he's a, I, he seems like somebody who's always available. He just, like, doesn't turn projects down. Yeah. Simon Pegg would have been a fun one, too. True. It, I want a clown type in this role, because it's a very clown role, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's uh, the purpose, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I felt like Tucci was kind of, I love him. I'm never going to turn say he shouldn't make money. But he was safe. Yeah. He was a safe choice. Speaking of safe, Anne Hathaway is the Grand High Witch. Yeah. Uh, Angelica Houston's role from the original. Yep, that's about all I'm going to say about that for now. <laughs> uh, last one I'm going to pull is the amazing, the tiny, the Glenda herself, <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth as Daisy the Mouse. Yeah, I know that. I know that voice whenever I hear it. It's. She she went to the same college that I did. She went to OCU, mm-hmm. and she spoke at my graduation where she got her honorary doctorate. Oh right! I just I I I cannot mistake that voice for anybody else. Um, she gave an amazing speech. She said she said work hard but play harder, <laughs> <laughs> and then the fire alarm went off. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, uh, there was another cool little cameo in here for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I did love was Angus Wright who is one of my favorite British character actors. He's he's just everywhere, but he did a short arc on Peep Show. Okay. Which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah. And I absolutely I absolutely adore him. As usual, if there's a del, if there's a Del Toro, there is a Quaron mm-hmm. um, in the production here. Lots of other producers, but those are the ones I wanted to focus on. So the music here was done by the Amazing, incomparable Alan Silvestri, mm-hmm. um, who definitely got his start with uh, uh, Zemeckis. They've been they've worked together in most of the same projects. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now a major like Marvel composer. Yeah, he's done a lot of their scores. Um, but one of my favorite scores he's done is his work with Sam Raimi because mm-hmm. he did The Quick and the Dead, which nice. is Sam Raimi's western, and it's wild. And I need you to see it because I think it's the only opportunity for you to actually enjoy a western. Because okay. you love Raimi so much. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll try anything As you should. Once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don Burgess was the cinematographer here, or DP. Uh, Ryan Chan and Jeremy, Jeremiah O'Driscoll on editing. Mm-hmm. Production design was from Gary Freeman, and uh, the art direction was Claire Fleming, Tom Still, and Sue Whitaker. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I the there's a lot of people in the visual effects because this one is uh, CG, not practical. Mm-hmm. Um, because you you know I guess since Jim Henson died, everybody said fuck practical. <laughs> right. But yeah, this one is pretty CGI heavy. Yeah, I and I've I've made my note my feelings known there. Um, yeah. What can I do? Yeah. Uh, no information really on the budget for this. Um, I couldn't get information on the budget for either. But it's so far made to about twenty seven million back. Yeah, and this um, is since it came out in 2020, it it was straight to streaming. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because it, it had not, to be. Yeah, you know. To uh, yeah, it, HBO Max was the distribution, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's still Warner on Brothers there. International. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, and Warner Brothers is who put up the the main money for it. Um, yeah, it came out in the United States and Mexico the final week of October of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a little longer. It's about 15 minutes longer, mm-hmm. um, all told. I mean, a lot of that is the longer uh, uh, credits, just because right. when you have that big of a CG department, it's just a thousand and one people doing things yeah. and getting credit. 
Um, yeah, this is another one that was kind of, this was very mixed from critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the original was loved. Um, people were like, um, not a lot of people loved this. Uh, yeah, they were like, eh, the writing's not as good. Tone's not as good. It's not as good as Rogue's film. Um, but everybody seemed to love Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, production design, visual effects, and the score. Got it. And how do you not love the score? It's, it's the fantastic. score was really good. It's really well done. I mean, Sylvester really well just done. knows how to do that shit. He yeah. just has that. He's like Williams. Like he just knows when to swell and when to back off. Yep. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, that's what it does us for the who done this thing for both movies. Oh, got a stretch now. <laughs> Perfect. It's a bit of a slog sometimes. Um, was there anything else? I, there was one. Oh, there was one fun thing on the production I forgot to mention. Okay. Well, fun's not the word. They, I had two things. So one's fun, one's not. Okay. The fun one's on the original. And I'll end on that one. The not fun one is they had to pause filming because one crew member stabbed another crew member in the neck. What? Yep. For the remake? Yep. I know 2020 and 2019 were stressful, but damn. He was convicted of wounding with intent last week when we're recording or like 10 days ago as of this recording <sighs> shit man <laughs> that's it was crazy. supposed to wrap on june 25th and about six days before that yeah johnny walkers stabbed darren langford in the neck is he okay i do not know oh goodness i mean the neck there's some some so there's a lot of things in there yeah, that you that you need yep I don't recommend getting stabbed anywhere, but the neck, yeah, it's pretty low on my list of places to, or high on my list of places to not get stabbed. Well, yeah, it's like, he was going for it. Like, if you stab someone in the leg, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. You know, like, okay. But if you stab... Probably not going to get deep enough to hit the femoral artery, Yeah, yeah. It's like, you'll probably be fine. Like, But, like, if you're stabbing someone in the neck, you're you're trying to kill that person. Like, you're going for it. You are (laughs) wounding with intent. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, what's the good thing? The funny thing. Or the funny thing. So a couple different things happened that were just like wild in the production mm-hmm. that fucked things up, but in a funny way. So because it's Jim Henson, it was obviously a nightmare for the makeup. Uh, Angelica Houston took six hours to get her makeup on and six hours to take it off. I believe it. And it was it was very Evil Dead in terms of like how much it fucked with her. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Like... I, like if anyone this is like this is horror for kids mm-hmm. like for oh, sure oh absolutely yeah a lot of Roald Dahl is though yeah absolutely. I would argue no, totally. I, I could still argue with you um, about Matilda being a horror film we might do that episode eventually it totally is um, but the funniest one is that Rowan Atkinson pulled a Mr. Bean thing by accident he left the bath taps running in his room uh, and the porter kept coming up and being like, dude, dude, it, you're, you're, you're killing it. Like there's flooding everywhere. And he just kept telling him, go away. I'm asleep. <laughs> oh, my. And it, oh my God. So it, um, it like destroyed the, a lot of the production team's electrical equipment. Cause they were right oh, below his room. No. So he just left the taps running and fell asleep. And they were like, dude, you're killing the movie. And he's like, no, I'm asleep. I can't be doing this. <laughs> 
Oh, if Jesus that's not Christ. the most Mr. Bean thing. It is. Oh my God. <laughs> we love when life imitates art. <laughs> Jesus. Oh God. So that's the that's that the note I wanted to end on. Yeah, out. you can take it away on plot now because that's Ooh. just <laughs> Wow. Okay, so like I said in the beginning, the plots pretty much follow each other, like beat for beat. There are yeah. some subtle differences. So I'll I'm gonna follow the original one because it's the original, and then I'll just note what's different yeah. in the um remake so we've got our our main our main boy luke in um the original it's so funny to me sorry the grandma sounds like aunt baru from Mm -hmm. star wars the the first one right because the kid's name is luke and she does the exact same call to the point that i thought it was just like a recording from star wars because she goes that's funny luke luke (laughs) and it's i mean it is intonation everything like i have that movie memorized in my head i believe it's burnt in my brain yeah uh yeah it's just funny i don't know i like it um but so luke is on a vacation yes exactly so luke's on vacation with his grandma helga um they're in norway uh where he's kind of you know he's warned about about witches and in this this movie has a negative view of witches. Yes. Some some movies have positive empowerment um, views of witches. This one has negative. No. Um, not nice. Not nice, but it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, so nice when they not nice. Mm-hmm. So basically, they explain, or his grandmother explains, that witches are female demons who hate children so much that, like, children literally smell like dog shit to them. Yes, that is yeah. like they That's, can't. That is a quote. <laughs> they can't. Yeah, they like they can't stand the smell of children. So dog stroppings. Yeah, yeah. So they they use you know different tactics to somehow kill children. Mm-hmm. Um, their magic, and then they you know. Um, and a lot of times this involves transformation, like transforming children. Mm-hmm. Um, we also we also learn in this world how to tell a witch from a just person walking on the street. Yeah, the way it just jumps um, in. Is, I like this a lot. That It just is like immediately like, here's what witches are. Yeah, so here's the list. Uh, real witches have claws instead of fingernails, so they wear gloves 24-7. They're bald, which they hide by wearing the wigs, um, but these wigs give them rashes. So mm-hmm. if you ever see them without a wig on it, it they've, you know, like rashes from the from the wigs. Um, they have square feet with no toes, so they hide it by wearing like very sensible shoes. They have a purple tinge like in their eyeballs, mm-hmm. um, and they have a very powerful sense of smell, and they use that to, you know, sniff out children. And I thought this was kind of funny. She's like, the dirtier the child, the less likely they'll smell you. Because I think they're talking about, you know, like bath time or like whatever. Um, and he's yeah. like, do I have to take a bath? Well, will the witch, you know, like smell me or whatever? And she's like, actually, dirtier the child. And then and then he's like, oh, I'll, like I'll use that. And I was like, because I was thinking like, you know, as a as a babysitter, I was like, don't tell him that. He's not he's <laughs> never going to bathe. Well, because they do that in the new one. That was the fun yeah. difference for Octavius. Where he's like, he says the same line, basically. But Octavius was like, don't test me. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> don't you try must, me, boy. You must bathe. <laughs> Um, Children are stinky. Yeah. Very stinky. So then um, we get kind of a little bit of backstory from the grandmother um, where her friend was a a victim of a, you know, a witch 
transformation. She was mm-hmm. cursed, and um, she actually spent her life uh, trapped inside a painting where in the remake she was transformed into um, a chicken. A very large chicken. A very large chicken. So in, in the original, the... Um, the person stuck in the painting aged very gradually and finally disappeared from the painting. Yeah. So we assume died and we don't really know what happened to the chicken in the uh, remake. Yeah, they don't give us that. They don't really give us that. But it can be implied that that chicken did become dinner. Probably. Oh, scary. It's very sad. Um, this is a scary moment in the remake, though. Like, I was like, any sort of transformation um, scared the shit out of me as a child. Like, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. When he, like, transformed yeah. You did and mention stuff. that. Yeah. So, like, this would have definitely freaked me the fuck out <laughs> as a child. Um, but anyway, so, unfortunately, Luke's parents um, were killed in a car accident. Um, Luke survived. And um, Helga becomes Luke's legal guardian, and they move over to England. Um and one day Luke is playing and he's approached by a witch who's kind of like trying to lure him with a snake and a chocolate bar. Uh, this this all happens in the remake as well, um, just in, you know, different settings. Yeah. But anyway, um, the witch eventually goes away, but he's like kind of freaked out. He tells his grandma about it. Yeah. yeah. And um, Helga uh, has gets like diabetes develops diabetes so. <laughs> has diabetes and in the in the remake it's it's some sort of like tuberculosis like yeah, she's coughing a the, lot she just starts coughing it's movie uh, the the classic movie trip of coughing into a, a handkerchief and looking at it they don't show the blood but that's, but you yeah. presume it's there yeah yeah it, this line in the original though was very funny to me uh, what was it it's a um Oh, it's just a mild disease. It shouldn't be too bad. Like diabetes is a mild, ca- a mild case of <laughs> a diabetes. mild case of diabetes. Like no, because she faints and like yeah. yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like she can't eat sugar anymore. And also, she keeps trying to sneak it. And also, I was lolling because the <laughs> one of the characters in the original one pronounces it the way that um, Wilford Brimley pronounces yeah, it Luke in the says commercials. It he says. He says, she's, she's got diabetes. And I was like, wait, I had to like roll it back. I was like, yeah. did he just say it like Wilford Brimley? No, you texted me that when you were I watching it. I sent you it, like a then, video yeah. of me watching it. And yeah. I was just like, what? Yeah, because then I caught it diabetes. too. And I was like, diabetes. God damn it. Diabetes. Um, but anyway, so in, in the original, the doctor says that they should spend the summer by the sea. Um, in the remake, they're already, they go to this hotel because they're afraid of witches. They, yes. They're like... Um, they're like, witches prey on poor people. So we're going to go to the fanciest, most like white hotel that we can find. Yes. Um, so they go to this hotel. Um, it was also a nice nod that they, it was, I was curious about this. I can't say much more than I'm just about to, but switching it from diabetes to just sort of random, Ill, like vague illness mm-hmm. because she's black. Yeah. Because there is such a connection of diabetes in the black community. Right. Um, like, like there is a uh, connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, I'm tr- what am I trying to say without being racist? Um, <laughs> I just, I, I found it interesting that they switched it away from diabetes. I don't know what the original book said. Yeah, I don't I have either. to imagine that it's probably not specific. <laughs> probably not. I don't think Roald Dahl gets very specific. No. Um, so that's why I, th- I thought it was interesting that they were specific about the diabetes in the 91, 1991. You know, that uh, might have been and- a sign of the times, though. That might have been like, 
on the rise. Like maybe that's, yeah. I don't know when those commercials came out. I remember seeing them growing up, but maybe that was just like, you know, like the, cause, cause that was also when all the like sugar free, um, like diets came out because mm-hmm. of diet. So maybe that was just like what was on the brain in the nineties. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't I was alive just, yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, uh, I, like I said, I can't say much more than this, but it's just a, th- a thought I had. And it's something I noticed that they switched away from diabetes when the grandmother became black. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think there is typically in very like racist jokes and whatnot, there have been like diabetes and being black has been like the butt of the joke. And so yeah. I think I think that was probably like a sensitivity thing where it's like, let's not. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I think is is probably what happened. Yeah. Um, and also it's supposed to be a closer adaptation of the book, which makes me think that it was just vague illness. Yeah, I don't even think. Yeah, and I, I think that's a detail that you don't really need. You know, yeah. like, no, you don't, it didn't, didn't serve anything. Other she's than, sick. Like, you yeah. know, like, that's all you really need to know. Anyway. And yeah. and I oh. want to point out, I want to point out in the remake, I don't remember this. It's just something I noticed in the remake that there's a specific line that's said by Hero Boy. Mm-hmm. Um when they get to the... So she's coughing a lot, like, when she's at home, like, after, you know, they see the witch in the store, yeah. right? Um, and then when they get to the hotel, she coughs, and Hero Boy says, Grandma, that's, like, the first time you coughed today. Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And so kind of hinting at, like, that the witches are there. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, like yeah. maybe I didn't they pull that nice. Like maybe maybe that's kind of a rule. Like she's not actually sick. That it really is a spell. Um, Interesting. Because I, I well, I was just thinking last night um, when I watched it again. Like, why would that line serve a purpose? Like, why would he say, "Grandma, that's the first time that you've coughed today." Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. You've is been it just that the country air is good for her, or right, or is it you know, or like the sea air is good for the the grandma? But you can't really tell. Like diabetes doesn't like have things. Like yeah, that. Like, it wasn't in the original. It's the first time you've taken think. your insulin today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if it was just like a marker. Or if it was just a coincidence and I'm again reading too far into it. Um, but yeah. But anyway, this is where we meet Bruno. Bruno um, is described as gluttonous. Um, <laughs> but friendly. But friendly. <laughs> um, they become friends. He He's just, you know, he just wants, you know, some chocolate. He's eating some chocolate. Uh, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Little SpongeBob pull for y'all. Thank you. I love it. I love that character in SpongeBob. Fantastic episode. Um, so we meet the hotel manager and Mr. Bean in and up. Mr. Bean himself. And I, I forgot to mention that our main character has a pet mouse already. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he kind of gets on the bad side of Mr. Bean because the his his mouse frightens his, the maid who is his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so he's like he's like that dirty, filthy mouse. Um, but anyway, then this is where we this is where we find that our our coven of witches they're actually having a convention. Yeah. At said hotel and. What's funny is that, you know, they're pretending to be the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. How ironic. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Um, and this is where we're introduced to Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch. Grand High Witch. God, she's so amazing. Just Ava Arch Ernst. as fuck. I love it. Yes. 
So Luke is hiding in the ballroom, which, you know, where they're convening. And this part is actually scary, too, when they uh, when they take off their wigs and they just turn into crones. Like, mm-hmm. it's very... So cool. It's really good. It's great. It's yeah. great. It's God actually... God bless Jim Henson. Yeah. And in the, in, in the remake, they're hot the whole time. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Which I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't well, like that. Yeah. And so... Luke is hiding in the ballroom and he's spying on their meeting because, of course, as a kid, you know, you're you're kind of you're really intrigued. Your, your grandma yeah. has told you this story and like weird shit's happening. You know, you're, you're going to be a curious little kid. So um, this is when we learn about this magic potion that turns all of all of the children into mice and they're going to put it in, you know, like chocolate and, and just anything you'd find like in a sweet shop. Um, and she's going to give she's going to give the money to the kids to go buy like the sweets and, and stuff. Yeah, that's where yeah, all the money yeah, comes they have from. Tons of cash. Yeah. Just tons of cash. Millions. Her filthy lucre. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Bruno was given the potion earlier. That's the chocolate that he was eating. Yes. So it's already happened to, to him. He's brought into the room via like a trap pretty much. Like she says, he, she's going to give him more chocolate. Come here, boy. Yeah, at 1225. 1225. Ooh, a Hedwig. Um, And so he turns into a mouse and then he's, you know, he scurries away. Um, Luke is found and runs to his grandma in the room, but she's resting. And the witches pretty much trap Luke in the room and then they take him back to the ballroom and he is force he he's like force fed the potion and turns into a mouse before getting out of there this bit is so good when it's angelica houston just doing the drops yeah one two <laughs> three drops it's like it's, it's great. this amazing it's like the count from sesame street but this whole like yeah very yeah. like dracula sinister so it's, it's so arching so camp yeah no i love it i love it i adore her and i will not shut up about how amazing she is Please do. I mean, she's, it was Anne Hathaway was good in this bit, but it's so those are just such. I mean, literally big shoes to fill. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 a it's very hard. Um, so he finds Bruno, and they they go to find his grandmother, and so so they're both they're both mice now, mm-hmm. and they go back just to the grandmother. around having a good time. They try to talk to the other mice, but the other mice don't respond. So it's like, oh, only humans turned into mice can chat. Yeah, and in in the in the remake at least, I don't actually remember this detail about the original, but in the remake, the his pet mouse starts talking, and mm-hmm. it's it's Daisy who is voiced by Kristen Chenoweth, like we said, and she is kind of like, yeah, well, I was gonna say something, but uh, it's really dangerous for a mouse to speak. Like I was gonna, <laughs> you know, but I I didn't know what to do and all this stuff. So, um, it's so we've got three we've got three mice at least in the remake. Do in we the, have? It's only the two. It's only the, the two yeah. in the original. That's right. Okay, cool. So he has two pet mice. Yeah, and I think Daisy and Mary are their names in the original. Right, and we just have Daisy in the remake, and Daisy can speak. So yes. we've got three, um, who are trying to t- defeat the witches, uh, which. Speaking of, they they find Helga and she's finally you know woken up from her diabetes, diabetes nap. <laughs> uh, dizzy spell, 
and a diabetes nap diabetes nap very different than a cigarette nap very different and so their their plan is pretty much to sneak into the grand high witch's room and steal the potion at least a bottle and then sneak it into the kitchen to put it in the soup for their like big party that's Mm going to happen. And in the meantime, or, you know, kind of in between this, Luke and Helga really try to get Bruno to his parents, but they're just like, a mouse! Oh yeah, that's, there's that detail that like his mom scream. hates mice. Yeah. yeah, they just like scream and they don't they don't even listen to him. Um, so Mr. Jenkins orders the soup and Helga's like, don't, don't, don't fucking do it's that. It's a cress soup, which sounds disgusting. And in the remake, it's a pea soup, but with no gorlick, as no she gorlick. says. No gorlick. <laughs> the waiter, so that's Angus is the waiter, right? Uh, yeah. uh, Angus Wright. Uh, who I was calling out earlier. This is why I love him in this. He's like, almost inedible. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, because don't eat things without garlic in them. That's, yeah. that's a crazy thing to do. Um, but Helga stops Mr. Jenkins from eating it, and they finally realize that Bruno is a mouse when he like is able to tell them when mm-hmm. they've stopped screaming. Um, so the witches are in the dining room, Oh, this is this is an interesting kind of difference is uh, in the original, uh, the Grand High Witch has an assistant who's kind of mistreated and she quits because she's banned from the celebration. Yeah. And in the remake, it's kind of played by the cat. She has a cat right. named Hades who... Yeah, her familiar. Yeah, yeah. And so she uh, is... And this cat is definitely mistreated. She like... Uh, the cat betrays her by actually getting into the cage that the concierge from the hotel or whatever like yeah. brings. And so she's yeah. like, she's like, if you like it in there so much, like she slams it and the cat's like, you know, hissing at her and is like upset about it. So <laughs> screw you, bitch. So it goes from a mistreated person to like a mistreated cat in the, in um, the remake. And so the plan, the plan pretty much works. The formula turns all the witches into mice, except in the remake, she gets, uh, the Grand High Witch gets distracted by um, Octavia Spencer. She walks up to her and she's like, pigtails. Yeah. And she's like, bitch, what? <laughs> and she's like. I don't know her. <laughs> she's like, get this crazy lady away from me. But no, she's like, I remember you. Yeah. Pigtails. And she's she's talking about, you know, like her yeah. friend who got turned into um, a chicken and Octavia Spencer in the flashback had pigtails, etc. Yep. And so in the original the staff and the hotel guests are all like trying to kill, you know, the witches as mice. Um, so basically rids England of its witches right yeah. then and there. Um, in the remake, um, since she doesn't take the, she eat the, the soup, soup yeah. um, they end up back in her hotel room and um, they're trying to take all of the potions so that like basically their idea is to travel the world and 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 um mass witch aside mass yeah pretty much because they have a list they find a list in her hotel room of full address full address of like all the witches um and so they're like oh if we and then it's the crate of money as well so they've got all their supplies that they need um so they're trying to gather them all and then she enters because she's the only one that wasn't turned into a mouse. And again, this is in the remake. And um, she's like, you know, I didn't drink the soup. And, she, <laughs> and she's like, 
and and they're they're like okay so the plan is they 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 kind of do this cool um thing where like octavia spencer is kind of like distracting her and um there are all these mice traps underneath like the bed in the hotel room and so their plan is to like clamp it onto her toes because in the in the original they don't have any toes in this one they have like one long one which is why they wear the pointy shoes yes so just to yeah um clarify that so octavia spencer is you know it's um um, distracting her and then they pull the uh, the uh, mouse traps and then they set them on her and you know she freaks out she opens her mouth and um nice little action sequence yeah yeah little mouse apult yeah yeah he's a little mouse apult from the from the the trap and basically goes like in her mouth like with the potion and then she like spits him out with the the bottle and she's like Ah, and she turns into the most grotesque-looking rodent. Like, it's yeah, this is so... a good, this is a good match to the original in terms of the design. Yeah, it's so disgusting. Like, I was telling you last night, I was like, "Yo, if I saw that shit in my apartment, I would call the CDC. I would call. <laughs> I don't call the police, but I would call the police. I would, no, I wouldn't call the police, but I would call the CDC, and I literally would say, I don't even know if the CDC can fucking do anything. I just, I don't know. They're on my mind, but and I." I would just be like, nope, that rodent owns everything in my apartment now. I'm never going back in there. I'm starting fresh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just, I'll give up all of my shit because it's scary. Yeah, um, super gross. Yeah. And so uh, then Octavia Spencer puts like a big like glass. It's a water va- it's vase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over, over it. And it's like, you know, trying to get out. And so she puts like books on it. It's like, haha. And then unleashes Hades. Mm-hmm. And Hades unleashes hell on her, quite literally. And so there's this great moment where, like, you know, Hades is kind of like pushing it, and she's like, "No, no!" <laughs> and then Hades is smart enough to like take the books off. Just of does it. the cat thing to knock, just, like, just knock shit off. <laughs> boop, boop, tap, tap, and just like knocks the books off, and then knocks the vase over, and just like, Wah! like, then we assume that she's dead. <laughs> yeah, in the um, original. She gets trapped under the water jug and Mr. Bean chops her in two with a meat cleaver. Correct. So in in the original, Bruno gets returned to his parents. And um, I believe they all are returned to humans as well. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, Uh, The assistant is now a good witch. She comes by... uh, Demousifies. Yes, that's uh, right. Luke and gives him his glasses back. And Luke and Helga go home. um, And... Oh, this is when they are home. He's built that whole like Rube Goldberg machine. That's his, right. The, that's uh, right. In the house, and then they're like, "Okay, we're going to America." Well, and this is when the the trunk of money and the address book, um, yeah, it's like delivered. Yeah. Um, and so they're planning an operation to wipe out the witches in America. And the good witch drives to Luke and Helga's house, and this is when yeah she yeah. transforms him back into to human form and returns his pet mice and his glasses, and he pays Bruno a visit, and it's nice. And Luke and Helga wave goodbye and like happy ending. Don't Everything forget about solved. Bruno. Yeah, exactly. And in the new one, it's just they stay mice for the rest of their lives. Yes. It's a little more bleak. It is. It is. And and there's even this part where um where Hero Boy is like is like Grandma. How long do mice live? And Octavia Spencer's like, well, I think only like three years, but that's normal mice. You'll probably at least live, you know, three times that. Yeah. And then he's like, well, that's great. You'll, I don't want to be taken care of by anybody else. You'll grow old. I'll grow old and we'll just die together. And she was, and she's just kind of like, with any luck, like, 
it's it is more bleak like it's it's weird and dark it's and really i kind of love it and i kind of hate it i don't know i don't feel. know how i feel yeah when i saw that that was the kind of new ending i was like i was like i i still don't honestly know how i feel about it but i'm just kind of like it all right the, i'm pretty sure it's the original ending it's not sunshine and roses because that's not what roald Dahl does yeah i'm sure i'm sure that's he's, right he's very mixed ending yeah kind of guy yeah so so yeah that that concludes our our, our plot section oh, pretty much no, he creates a child army oh <laughs> shit yeah there's like a which i don't know if i love this just because i don't really love any sort of like propaganda type <laughs> gathering like he's like all these children are in like an auditorium and they're listening to this old mouse that's voiced by Chris Rock. And he's saying like, go out there and like kill people. Kill like, you some witches. Ki- yeah. And I'm just like, oh my. This is a little, this and is, especially the child soldier thing is like. Yeah. It's, it, it, it didn't, <laughs> that part didn't sit right with me. But okay. Now officially full, we're like, done with the plot part. Yeah. Letterman yeah. bit. Yeah. I was like, ooh. But yeah, I I like both of these movies honestly, and I I can't say that about a lot of remakes. They're all you know, there there are a lot of um, room for fuck ups with remakes sometimes. Totally, yeah. And I I like them both. I I was they each I have was their, their pluses and minuses. Yeah, but it balances yeah. out to a broad positive for me on both. Yeah. Yeah, like we were kind of talking about. Um, I like how risky the original is. Yeah, we can do that. That's uh, risk and safety is one of my little docket notes here. Great, let's go. Um, I I like how risky the first one is. Absolutely, um, yeah, it's I, really cool. The second the the remake is a little more you know Disney fied. Um, Shocking. Right? Yeah. Uh, which, so I like that for the reason of character development. The characters feel a lot more warm to me in the remake, so I care about them a little bit more. Um, like I feel like I yeah. just know more about them, and I and and totally. and I'm more, um, they're more endearing to me. I I I just I don't know. I think I think we see more of the relationship between the grandmother and the grandson, and we also actually see the accident. It's a little more dark yeah. in that way. Um, and we actually see the child grieve for at mm-hmm. least a second in the original one. I don't think he. I don't think we really see him go through even that like initial not even shock. No, it's no. it's just we know it happens and that's it. We don't really know how he feels about it, which is kind of bizarre. So that might be because so. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Um, no, the, you're the, good. So, Rogue in the initial film, the original cut was much scarier, um, and it was. He uh, had it re-edited because he had his son uh, watch the original cut. Oh. And he cut out a lot of the scenes that he thought would be too scary for children. Okay. He also may have, you know, kind of cleaned it up a little bit in terms of the, like, parent-child grief moment. Right. I liked seeing it in the remake, though, because, again, I felt more connected to our characters. Therefore, I felt more in the story. Therefore, I felt more, you know... Um, it, it grounds it. It does. It does. And I think when you have something like that, that is like such a family oriented movie, like, like I truly cared whether this kid got turned into a mouse or, you know, like all it these things. definitely gave, it had more weight there. Yeah. But in the original, I loved, again, I, I loved how um, Angelica Houston turned into a complete crone in mm-hmm. when she took like the wig off and stuff. And even when 
Anne Hathaway was at, you know, like her quote unquote ugliest in the movie, it still wasn't, she was still hot. Like, yeah, it she wasn't, pulls a mealworm out of her wig rash, but they have like Joker scars. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I really, I, I wish they had done, you know, some like practical or like, you know, some, some puppetry or like, you know, something like something. that. Because it honestly is, I was honestly scared a little bit. Like it's a, like mm-hmm. they did such a good job in the original one that I, I wish I had seen more of that in this one. So they're, they're give and take good and bad things about both. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I like the writing better on this um, than the original. The original is sort of, this is the kind of the opposite of what we talked about with uh, the craft and craft legacy. Mm-hmm. This is not suffer from the sort of thing that you and I don't like about current TV and film. Yeah. Where we talked about this last week. That it's all this sort of like, okay, here's a narrative and here's a bunch of plot points and here's no development. Yeah. This was kind of the inverse of that. Where Zemeckis, yeah. And this is something that Zemeckis is very good at. It's something Del Toro is very good at. It's something Kenya Barris is very good at. All three of them together, I think you're right, was this nice little perfect storm of like, yes, okay, here's depth. It's yeah. just enough. It's good enough for kids. The adults will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I it, so they, they did like take more time this is a sort of what's the word i'm looking for it's more careful in that way yeah as a film right it's not mm-hmm. just like throw out a raucous little romp yeah it's it, and this i think does come down a lot to zemeckis because he is so fucking brilliant at pacing yeah that it's that right um i was surprised like you're talking about with the character design that it wasn't a little more intense because del toro is involved in the film yeah and, and we really have me out yeah and we will and and just you know two decades later we do have a lot more resources i know that we it's three decades babe <laughs> i'm 31 oh sorry um <laughs> i don't know what time is um but you know three three decades later we have so many like just to my point we have so many more resources and yeah. Yes, we talk about um, practical and puppetry and, and all of that. And we have more resources with that as well. But with CGI on top of that, they could have done something way more with this. Yeah. Our, you know, go to Universal Light and Magic. Go to Weta. They could like, have gone a little bit further with that. So, yeah, I mean. It's just a bummer to me, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. But this is definitely an example of a really well done remake. Mm-hmm. Like one of the few. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is definitely a good example. And kind of the through line of this month is, you know, what actually made, like, that we're kind of, you know, investigating is what actually makes a good remake? Like, can we verbalize, can we put that into words, you know? Totally. That's something I really do want to dive into. Yeah. Um, first off, I do want to say this is a great, both of these are just great horror films for kids. Yeah, Which totally. we don't get a lot of. It's like this, Coraline, mm-hmm. Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Uh, there's... Beetlejuice, yeah. kind of. I would say yeah. that's even though it's definitely it's got a more lot of adult, body horror in there. Yeah. It's definitely more of a. It, I I would say it's a more kidsy mm-hmm. horror film. Um, yeah, where it is terrifying and it definitely scared the shit out of me as a kid. But yeah. I think that's a good thing that you kind of get your cut your teeth on these things that are a little safer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's definitely there's definitely a market for this. Like, it's, yeah, it's not it's not a weird thing to try to make. Again, I think I don't think Roald Dahl would have had a career if people weren't interested yeah. in, you know, kind of horror for children. And think about like fairy tales, right? Like fairy tales totally. are 
that. Yeah. Um, for most of them, I think that's what Roald Dahl loved, and I think that's why Del Toro was a part of this project. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He says that he's like, I tell fairy tales. Yeah. Um, sometimes literally, but he tells fairy tales, and they're all horrific mm-hmm. in some way or another. Um, but I think that's that's again, that's why I'm so confused that like the creature design sucked. Yeah. Um, it was you know just like oh well they don't look like crones at all. Like you could have done that. That's not hard. No, not, not really. at all. Especially yeah. if you're gonna CG it already. I wish it yeah. were practical, but if you're going to CG it, which you probably will to cut costs, then you can do it. You could have gone could, yeah. very far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it could have been they tried and they just decided not to. Or it could have been that yeah. they were like, nope, we're taking the safe route and Hathaway stays hot. You never know. You never know what happens between the initial idea and the yeah. cutting room floor and the, you know, all of that. Yeah. You never so, know. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, yeah, no, as, as a as a horror film, both of these are very, very solid in their own ways and have their own failings, like I said. For sure. Story, it's more story problems in the first one. Um, it's kind of boring just watching puppet mice run around for uh, the middle third of the movie. Yeah, I could do without a little bit of that. I get that it it it's part of the kind of adventure story arc, but I think just for me personally, it's, it, it ends up being a little boring. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was, that's where I can praise Zemeckis on this is again, just a fucking master of pacing. Yeah. He's a, I almost made it. I was going to say he's a master pacer. No God. <laughs> Canceled. Uh, yeah. Please do. But yeah. So remakes. Yeah. Safety versus risk. Mm-hmm. Um, Making it see this is where I want to bring that conversation back in. I think that's going to tie me into what like sort of my theory of what makes a good remake for today. Yeah. Making a remake is risky in its own way because Internet outrage. Right. God. Yeah. Uh, You're ruining my childhood. No, we're fucking not. It's still there. We said that last week. It's still there. You still get to have the memories. You can choose to see it or not. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to watch it. Like no one's demanding that, you know? Yeah. But I think. My biggest issue with remakes is that they are safe in their own way. You yeah. are going to make your money back more often than not. Right? Yeah, just out of the basic curiosity of the public. You already yep. have something to jump off of. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's so true. So it's you have like a you have a fan base, right? Like every Batman movie is gonna make fucking money. Yeah. Even though yeah. they're all basically remakes. Every Spider Man origin story is gonna make money, even though they're basically remakes. Out of curiosity. It doesn't yeah, matter I've if seen it them was all. even if even if, you know, um, even if 200 people saw your movie and told everyone it was terrible, they're still going to go see it for themselves because out of curiosity. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it, it doesn't even matter if it got bad reviews at yeah. that point. And The Witches is a popular movie. The original one is, but not yeah. nearly like The Craft was, right? Yeah. Not nearly like the, re- well, yeah. It's one that I definitely saw as a kid, but it's not like it was, I, I was watching Matilda, if I'm watching Roald Dahl, I'm watching Matilda, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, or what's the original one called? The Gene Hack, not Gene Hackman, Gene um, Wilder one. Gene Wilder one. It's Willy, I think it's just Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. I or couldn't something remember. Like yeah. I couldn't remember which one was that and which one that's was. That's another remake. The, are, are we going to remake Matilda next? I mean, I know it's a musical and that's a uh, version yeah, of a remake. Yeah, I was going to say they've remade it as a musical, so I don't know. I think might, I've heard rumors. It, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a um, There's no musical Matilda without to Danny movie. DeVito. Oh, man. If he even just made a cameo, if they did remake that, I would be happy. I just... He doesn't even have to play the dad again. Like We don't deserve Danny DeVito. 
We don't. He's great in that movie. He's great in everything. He's perfect. I love him to death. He's great. Protect him at all costs. <laughs> he is one of our true good people. Yeah. Uh, just unassailable. Big so, fan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, they're they're we're probably get. I've heard rumors that we're getting one. Um, mm-hmm. Either it's going to be the adaptation of the musical, or it's going to be a remake of the the '90s one. The music in the musical slaps. So it's I real would good. be fine. It's with real that. good. I would be fine with that. Yeah. But yeah, so there is like a certain safety, right? Like uh, one speaking of musicals, I'm really interested to see the In the Heights musical because it seems like it is going to go big and it is going to give you that Broadway feeling, right? I can't wait. Just like West Side Story did in the 60s, right? Totally. Uh, or Jesus Christ Superstar did in the 70s. Like those yeah. are those are it's adaptations like every once that in a I while. Love. It's like every once in a while you do get a really good um, musical adaptation, but I almost feel like we have to like pay our dues between them for some reason. Like we get really shitty, like five shitty ones, and then we get a really good one. Yeah. And then we get like five more shitty ones. And then we get some like okay ones. Like last five years is pretty, I, I like the way they told the story in that one better. I know you don't love uh, the the lead. Um, Anna Kendrick? Yeah, no. <laughs> I can't stand her. But it was an interesting take on the role, and it was a much I think better take than the original. It's less misogynist than <laughs> Jason Robert Brown's original. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and the, the song selections they did were good, but it doesn't have the spectacle, but it was told really cool. And again, like I Visually, touched, storytelling was very good. Again, um, like I touched on last week, anything that makes certain things more accessible for people, I'm going to be interested yes. in. So uh, with me saying that these these movies were shitty, I'm just saying they were shitty. I'm not saying that people shouldn't watch them. Totally. Especially children who, you know, have an interest in Broadway. Like mm-hmm. show your kids as many musicals as, as, as you can. Absolutely. They're wonderful. So getting into that with horror, right? Yeah. This is great. It's great that we have a kid's movie that's a, that's a remake, right? Yeah. Awesome. Because mm-hmm. kids are going to be interested, you know, I assume there's this this is great conversation that happens a lot in video games, right? Yeah. Um, we've talked about this before. We talked about this, I think, during our Evil Dead episode, which is another very successful remake mm-hmm. or Redux or whatever you want to whatever. call it. Whatever. It's <laughs> this to me. It's like the we same. did that whole conversation. I don't think we need to clarify that anymore. We can just call them remakes. Yeah, but <laughs> so like they, I think I talked about recently. If people they, want to get technical with us, they can fuck off. Yeah. Um, but they when they remade um, Link's Awakening, which is a game I grew up playing. Mm-hmm. My, I think it was my first video game. And I love it to death. And it's one of my favorite stories in a video game, even though it's pretty light story-wise. Right. But it's cool. The music slaps. It's awesome. So they remade it. Mm-hmm. And instead of being the, I think it was 16-bit art um, in the original, mm-hmm. because it was on Game Boy, um, this one was done in like a 3D render. Mm-hmm. Like a tilted 3D. Yeah. So everything looks more like sort of current gaming or like cartoony current gaming, right? Yeah. Like Link, uh, like a Ocarina of Time version. Right. But better because it's 20 years later. Um, so the question that comes up when I, that I was listening, I was listening to an episode of a podcast that was talking about that game. I'm going to bring it back. Do we need to update the uh, the graphics or would kids still appreciate a 16-bit game? And I think you and I talked about this on a past episode, but I think it's important to talk about with this, right? Mm-hmm. Would a kid still appreciate the 1990 witches or do they need this one right that's kind of what i want to get at with like how do remakes work right like is it safe to just sort of smooth out the character design or is it necessary that's a that's a real question i think it's i think the answer lies somewhere in the middle because i think again with this like what you said um a little bit ago where, where you were like, okay, we're like, we're going to make this and like, you know, kids will enjoy it. Adults will also enjoy it. I mm-hmm. think that in order to kind of align it with 
that, which honestly is what makes what makes a really good children's movie is also it kind of caters to adults. Like all of the ones that I've always loved as as a kid and then rewatched as an adult, I've been like, oh my God, <laughs> like yeah. that totally went over my head, like that sort of thing. Hercules, so, Ember's New Groove. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that it lies somewhere in the middle where I think you do need to update it because kids are very, um, a lot of kids are very sensitive to aesthetics. They don't know it, but they, but a lot of, I mean, I've worked with kids for a while and a lot of them won't play a video game because they don't like the aesthetics. Yeah. And then the, then there's a Minecraft problem, right? Yeah. Why is that the most popular game of all time? Totally. So it's it's one of those, it's just a question I keep thinking about is like when we do these remakes, do we need to really update the look or do we sort of pay homage to the original? Like where does, where does that land? And I I went, I want your opinion, you know, like. And I think it also goes back to what I was just saying, where we have so many resources three decades later where I think that if they had done, if they had mixed in some practical effects, then the adults would have been like, holy shit, that's cool. The kids would have just yeah. been like, you know, like they don't know how it works quite yet, but mm-hmm. adults could have been like, oh, that's reminiscent of this or, you know, whatever. But I do think you you need to update it in some regards just because it's already going to look updated by just what you're filming it on. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Moving from how... digital, to, moving from 16 millimeter to digital. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's almost like if you don't go, if you don't go full swing, that's kind of what I'm asking. I think yeah. it might, I think it, it just might not land like you kind of, but I don't know. I think it lies somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's sure. a clear cut, totally. like, because it's already going to look different. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a, it's just an interesting question. Like, do we have to update the aesthetics for the story to be appreciated? If it's a beat for beat, like that was why I brought up the Link's Awakening thing because it's just a graphical redux. There's nothing added right. to the game, right? I, I think in this one, you the story is already interesting enough, mm-hmm. um, so, but your graphics do have to keep up with it. Yeah, and the last two, the first two we're talking about are a little more like kid and teen focused. Yeah. The next ones we're doing are not. Yeah. So, so I think it'll that be interesting be, to continue. Yeah. The, that's that's yeah. why I wanted to bring that up. It's yeah. like, okay, do adults need this as much as kids do or just, just kids that need it? Or does anybody need it? Do we, is it risky to not update? Yeah. Or to have it all be throwbacky, you know? Yeah. Instead of this very clean, polished uh, digital format. And I think a lot of filmmakers are a little bit worried about competing with things that do look updated for kids because again something like this i don't necessarily think adults would be you know running to the theaters to go see you know like they would be taking their kids or they you know they would wait for it to come out and like maybe watch it you know if they don't have anything else or or if they're they were like huge fans of the original which you know Mm -hmm. was a cult classic is a cult classic then like sure um they might they might watch it, but yeah. I think you need the poll of children with something like this. Like in our, yeah. in our, in our next two episodes, it'll be a different story. Mm-hmm. But for these, you know, first two that we've kind of talked about where it's um, teens and children, I think you do need that poll. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You make more money that way. Totally. So, um, yeah, I just, it's a thing I'm always curious about. Cause I just wonder again, like there's the, there's the Minecraft question, right? Or is that just an anomaly? Or I think it's an anomaly. Okay. Honestly, just be just from like conversations I've had with kids, they're not a fan of things that look old. And I put that in quotes. Yeah. Me. They're not a fan of me is what you're saying. (laughs) Unless they grew up watching stuff with like 
if they grew up watching like um, if they're the youngest sibling or something like that yeah or 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 if they grew up watching um i don't know why but like sound of music comes to mind or sure you know you know like if they grew up watching things like that that kind of have an older look to them at this point then they're a little more sensitive to it but once you get used to like that high definition like that high you know like look they they're not as you attractive know, i to... know people who have i've even dated some people who didn't like watching old movies because they quote look like shit <laughs> uh and it's and like i was all like i've talked about it a bunch of times i grew up on movies that were like i, I lived with my granddad so much like it and was, that's what i'm talking yeah. about is that you know people who didn't have that experience are are kind of they don't have that connection with it yeah. so they're just like the most recent things I was watching was like 10 years older than me, you know, like the, like what return of the Jedi is seven years older than I am. And it was 10 years old when I watched it for the first time. Right. So it didn't look like shit to me. So I'm three, four years old watching it and going like, Oh, this looks amazing. Yeah. So I've never seen anything with special effects before. Like I'm watching fucking Aladdin, not (laughs) right. No, I think, okay. So I think Minecraft, if we're talking about Minecraft just very quickly, I think, I think Minecraft is Minecraft is an anomaly because somehow they tapped into some sort of aesthetic that is just... It's Legos. Yeah. It's fucking Legos. And Legos are still popular. Yeah. So those are two things that... it's that, kind of blank slatey is what you think? Well, and Minecraft has also um, developed because they have Minecraft Dungeons for the Switch. Yep. They have... And which is... Um, which is new... Um, graphics which is it is yeah i've you know, seen it so advertised like yeah i've seen little gameplay videos from it, it i've is different, played it yeah. it's really fun nice it's really fun it's like it's it, you've got more of like a um an objective it's not like creator mode like you've got like more of an objective with yeah, it because i i, I play fun. the original all the time just in my own little world it's just me and the creepers i like the creepers i think they're cool i have a little <laughs> lego creeper you but do it, they always make me mad though because they explode my shit Makes sense. I'm not good at the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that they just kind of have somehow created some sort of aesthetic like Lego that mm-hmm. is just has transcended some sort of time. Yeah, I guess it's just a blank slate thing, right? Like it is yeah. just cubes. It's all it's, fucking yeah. cubes. Yeah. So, maybe so that's I think it. I think they've just created some sort of special spice that <laughs> that not a lot of um, other creators can do. Uh, but yeah, enough about about video games. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. But I, it's, um, it's, it's, it, remake comes in no matter what. Like it's not just about the horror of it, right? Yeah. It's the, about the creation of it, right? Yeah. We can dive into why this film is scary, but we don't have to because it's fucking obviously it's scary. And this the new one I didn't didn't scare me as much. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's because of the creature design, but I do feel the tension of horror. Mm-hmm. So that's fair, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. again, it's horror for kids, so I'm not going to really do a horror or not shit here. Um, no, yeah, it's definitely horror for kids. Um, Same way, I think, like, I understand why Coraline is scary to children, but it doesn't scare me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think... We have to cover that eventually. Yeah, we do. So I'll say where I'm at so far, since we're halfway through the month at this... Pretty much halfway through the month at this point, um, with my theory on, like, what makes a good good remake Mm -hmm. is I think it has to have some sort of nostalgic value for the people who originally became such a good fan of it like nods or like sort of one-offs like the fact that ash's car is in the yeah okay i think yeah. little easter eggs like that definitely help but also more obvious things where um it's like oh i remember this story like you i think you kind of have to stick somewhat with the plot mm. with like a redux like like somehow or at least build off of it in 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 some 
way. I don't I don't like some of these, you know, quote unquote remakes that are just like, well, we're going to take the same world and like similar characters, but we're going to put them through some I don't know. Like uh, just using the IP, not actually remaking it. Yeah. 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 Like using the formula because it was a successful one, but not but not redoing it. Not just using the yeah, using just using the, the names. Name. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I think you have to anchor it somewhere for, to call it a remake. Like, totally. sure, if you want to, um, like Evil Dead did this really well, where they mm-hmm. they they definitely they put new characters, they put a new. It, w- it was a similar plot, but also much darker and just you know different elements. But they anchored it. They yeah. put Ash's car there. They anchored it in in certain places and with like the book. Yeah, book and design, they, the chainsaw. Yeah. They, just like nice nods to everything. You have to anchor it somewhere. Yeah. You you cannot just use the name Un- or you call it something else. You can't call it a remake. You if and I you, are very much agreed there. Yeah. Um, like, sure, fine. Do that, but don't call it a remake. Mm-hmm. You know, like do whatever you want. Sure. But we've said that. Be bold instead of just being boring and taking the existing ip yeah yeah exactly um but in uh in the remake context if you just use the name don't call it a remake and then i think anchor it so that you are taking care of your original fan base Mm -hmm. but then also you have to add something to it yeah like in this i like that the kid and his grandma are black and it's 1960s And Alabama. I like that we know more about them. Yeah. We, we actually... We get a true story of them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you have to add something. And even if you think the original is like perfect, like you as a filmmaker, you're like, I, I want to remake this. There's got to be a reason to remake something, right? If something you, to believe in. Got you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone's looking at something and saying like, I'm just going to follow this... And do, I'm just going to remake the exact same movie. I don't right. think filmmakers think that way. I think filmmakers probably, I would hope so, see something, they're inspired by it, and they say, oh, I would love to remake it, but put my lens on it. Like, mm. this is how I see this story unfolding, or this is how I see this designed this is you know it has to have your flavor on it give us some spice yeah a a touch of spice um but no garlic no garlic oh god he was like what excuse why'd you say and she's like no garlic (laughs) what um but yeah so i think so far that's kind of my theory on remakes is totally not like at least nods anchor it to something to take care of your original fan base and then add on to it so that they can like in this instance take their kids and their kids can still be like oh that was dope and then maybe you can Show do what yeah do what my mom did when i saw the parent trap and i was like that was a sick movie mm-hmm. and she was like oh watch the original and i was like that was also a sick movie yeah like <laughs> you know absolutely no like yeah, like The Hobbit is one that's been remade a thousand times and that comes to mind because I loved the original one in the 70s when they made The Hobbit. Um, yeah. And it was the cartoon version. It's the Rankin and Bass one. Right. Or Rankin Bass. I can't remember if it's Rankin and Bass. Anyway. And then, you know, I went and watched the uh, the trilogy that came out and it's okay. It's yeah. not as bad as people say it is. It's not as good as it could have been. Right. Rush job, money grab, bullshit. But yeah. It, anyway, I, I yeah, that's sort of where I'm at, mm-hmm. I think, for this week. Great. Um, we can develop more on the theory of your makes uh, next week. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, follow along. We're, we're going to be doing this um, all month. And luck, lucky for you guys, it's a five-week month. So you get to hear all about it. Yeah. You get to hear all about it. <laughs> uh, Why don't I always get the short month? We can we can do a special month for you where it's five weeks. Okay. No, there's never going to be five Fridays in February. We can just extend it into March. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to keep things even and fair. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I just get to pick extra months. Exactly. Because you get more weeks. Fair. That works for me. Uh, <laughs> so you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we're on the interwebs at HorrorBabesPod.com. Until next time, stay safe. Get vaccinated if it's available to you. In New York City, it's it's about to be available to everyone 16 and up. So yeah. get your appointment scheduled and get in there um, so we can get back to, you know, certain things that we all love to do. Yeah, like licking people. <laughs> yes, that's great. I think on, on that note, we'll catch you next time. Bye, Bye babes. babes. Yeah, babe.